We want to consider this morning Christ-like husbands from Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 30. We'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. We'll begin in our reading in verse 15 and continue on through chapter 6, verse 4. Let's give our attention now to the reading of God's Word. We'll begin in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing upon it. Blessed congregation, we come this morning to our second sermon in our series on the Christian family. And we want to consider the subject of Christ-like husbands. We saw, as we just read last Sunday, that Christian wives are called to submit to their husbands in the Lord... It's a religious duty that is that they are called to follow their husband's loving leadership. The Apostle now turns from wives to consider the subject of husbands and he urges them in their duties. To continue in their duties. Now, I have a question for any of you husbands who may be here this morning. What are your duties? I wager that if you went to any man and said, what do you have to do this week? The response is probably not going to be, well, not much. Husbands are very apt to tell you that they have a lot of things to do. I got to get up early. I got to go to work. I got to provide. I got to come home and then take out the trash, then fix the car, and on and on it goes. But when we look at Ephesians 5 this morning, and the Apostle Paul urging husbands in their duties can be summed up in one word love. While the Christian wife was called twice in Ephesians 5, to submit to their husbands, the husband is called five times here to love his wife. 
And I think the Apostle Paul is touching on a sore spot here, isn't he? Just as he did for wives, it goes against a woman's sinful nature to want to submit to her husband. Men, does it go against our sinful nature to humble ourselves and love our wives? Married men, your calling in marrying in the Lord first and foremost is to love your wife. Before you even open the Bible at family devotions, before you even baptize your baby or send your children to Christian school, the calling first and foremost is to love your wife. Of course, this doesn't mean that you don't have other callings like your work, your provision, or football coaching, or whatever it might be, serving on some committees. But first and foremost, the Christian man is called to love his wife. We want to look this morning at the nature of the love that the Apostle Paul calls us to this morning. Notice with me that he doesn't call us men simply to a romantic love or even a sensual love here or some ooey-gooey, touchy-feely love. But Christian men are called to love their wives, this is our outline, with a sacrificial, a sanctifying, and a selfless love. That is that we are called as Christian men to a Christ-like love. A Christian love. And God is pleased when husbands love their wives. That's the theme this morning. God is pleased when husbands love their wives like Christ loves the church. And we want to see that in three points. A sacrificial love, a sanctifying love, and a selfless love. Look first at verse 25. You see this sacrificial love. Paul, when considering the role of a Christian husband, the first thing he says that we are called to do is love. That is that the regular hallmark feature of a husband's interaction is to be one of love with his wife. Is this countercultural to our day and age? I think it is. Oftentimes, when young women are looking for a future spouse, is love the top priority? We often would like a man who is good with leadership, who's strong, who can provide a multitude of things. And those things are good, but countercultural, the Apostle Paul says, the principal calling is love. And if it's countercultural for us, how much more countercultural would it have been for the Ephesians? We said last Sunday evening that the, the city of Ephesus was considered the center of pagan worship. One Bible commentator says that the pagans viewed marriage as merely a social transaction. Marriage was a way that you could ascend the social or the political ladder in the ancient society. If you were a pagan, 
back in that day, you wouldn't marry because you loved someone. You wouldn't marry because you wanted a life mate. You were you needed to endeavor to marry for the sake of your family's social status. Marry up, if you will. In fact, relatively few ancient sources that speak about marriage ever speak about a man loving his wife. In fact, a man had a privileged position in Ephesus. They had few obligations beyond providing food and shelter. When the Apostle Paul in those first two verses says, husbands love it's countercultural to both that culture and ours. In fact, that first or that second word, excuse me, in the Greek agapete is in the imperative form, which is the form of command. Husbands love. It's a command this morning. And he doesn't use the common Greek terminology. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to know that the word agape is often the word used by God as He speaks from Himself towards His people. The Greeks more often use the word phileo, which means to have a relationship with someone else, or ero, which means to have a sensual or a sexual love. But Paul uses agapo, which is often used to refer to an intimate communion and love for one another. The kind of love that a Christian husband is to have towards his wife, the Apostle Paul says, is a Christian love. You see, the husband is called, has a special calling and a special place to exhibit the love of Christ towards His family. I want to set forth for you a definition of what Christian love looks like. Last week we said that a submission of the wife was to follow her husband's loving leadership. Here's the definition of Christian love. It means putting the needs of another ahead of yourself. So when Paul says husbands love, he's saying husbands put the needs of your wife ahead of yourself. Just like Christ did. We have a perfect example of how to do this. This is then the most humbling of Scriptures for Christian husbands, isn't it? Verse 25, Husbands, love, put the needs of your wife ahead of yourself as Christ loved. As Christ put the needs of, uh, of the church ahead of Himself, verse 25, and gave Himself up for her. It's astonishing and humbling to us that this is what we are called to do. 
Marriage is not so that we can ascend the social political ladder. Marriage is not, as we think in our society, primarily for our romantic fulfillment or our relational happiness, as we think today. No marriage, the Apostle Paul says, is not about you. It's about putting the needs of another ahead of ourselves. This is the manner of how a man is to love his wife. He is to follow the pattern of Jesus. And nobody ever loved someone more than Christ loved the church. Remember, John says, there is no greater evidence than lo- of love that a man lay down his life for his friends. That is, Christian love is a sacrificial love. We know of Christ. How sacrificial was Christ's love? He condescended from heaven to men and took our nature. Subjected Himself to the law and perfectly fulfilled it was subject to the temptations of the devil, took him upon himself our infirmities, subjected himself to death. Even death on the cross was a sacrifice for sin. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and makes intercession for us. Paul says, that's Christian love. That's what it means to put another's needs ahead of your own. Christ's love is a Golgotha love. So when a man says, especially a Christian man, I feel called to marriage. What is Paul saying here? When you are called to marriage, you are called to die. It is a call to death to be married. A call to the dying of oneself. And to put the needs of your wife first. This will involve a sacrifice of you. A sacrifice of your schedule. A sacrifice of ambitions. A crucifixion of the flesh. Not yielding to the temptations of lust and anger and pride. Giving yourself away for the good of another. For the good of your bride. Christ exemplifies the love we are called to show to our wives. And His love is sacrificial. It's so sacrificial. He not only lays himself, his life down in death, but he's sacrificial also in life. Christ calls us not only to be willing to die, but to sacrifice all days of our lives for our spouses. You think of that 
incredibly humbling passage in John 13, where we're told that Jesus when they, and his disciples, when they entered into a new home, and of course this was an arid and a very dry culture, and so as they walked with their sandals on through these towns, they would get dusty, and we're told in John 13 that Jesus, the King of Kings, tied a towel around his waist, got on his knees, and washed his disciples' feet. It was a sign that he had come to serve. Not only to die, but every day to die, if you will, to himself, to his flesh, to his own desires. When the Apostle Paul calls us to love like Christ, he calls us to get on our knees and to wash each other's feet. Brothers, husbands, wash your wife's feet. Serve your wife daily. Christ did not call or did not only give himself up to death, but throughout his life. He served the church. He sets a high standard for the kind of love a husband should have for his wife. We should be willing to sacrifice everything for the good of our wives. A word of application. We hear this a lot in our days. That if our wives don't first love us, well then I won't love her. I'll give her what she wants. I'll just give back what she's giving me. But remember when we were considering the love of Christ, did Christ only come for us when we first loved Him? Did Christ come for us when we were happy and excited about His coming and loving us? No, John tells us, Christ died for the church even when the church hated Christ. So is a husband called to love his wife. She does not need to deserve the love. She does not need to earn his love. Our loving of our spouses is not based on our submission or their submission to us. The loving of our spouses is based on our salvation in Christ. Ladies, a word for you here, especially looking for prospective husbands. What is your priority as you look for a mate? I've said this before from the pulpit, but I reiterate, if it's looks... Wrinkles will come. This section on a man tends to grow pretty quickly. Wealth can be taken in an instant. Paul's prescription here is not only for men to love their wives, but it also shows us what our wives ought to prioritize in their husbands, in prospective husbands that they love her, that they sacrifice for her, that they be willing to give for her, and then lead 
her to the Lord Jesus Christ. For a husband is not called simply to love once on his wedding day. But a husband is called to continually love his bride day by day. And wish, this is what love can mean, her wish the greatest good upon her. And that's what our second point is about. He needs to wish the greatest good upon his wife. And the greatest good that we can wish for one another, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you're a father and a child, a mother and a child, the greatest good we can wish upon one another is that they would be led to Christ. A sanctifying love. And a husband especially called to love his wife in a way that sanctifies her. We have a beautiful illustration of this in our tradition. I don't know what the practice is here of Trinity United Reformed Church, but it used to be back in the day in our Reformed churches that when a man and a woman were married and they would say, I do, at the end of the service, a minister or an elder would stand up and present that couple with a new Bible. A family Bible. And it's a beautiful picture as a man walks down that aisle with his bride in one hand and he walks down with the Bible in the other. That he is called in the act of marriage not only to love her, not only to romance her, if you will, but he is also called to pastor her and to shepherd her to lead her to the Savior. And so the Apostle Paul in verses 26 and 27 points husbands to the sacrificial love of Christ, but also the sanctifying love. It's not enough only to sacrifice, but he doesn't stop there. The goal of sacrificial love is to sanctify There are two senses here in Ephesians 5 on how the Apostle Paul speaks about sanctification. He talks about being set apart, but also to purify. To set apart and to be purified. You see, when when Jesus came, He came not only to lay His life down as a sacrifice, but He also came to set apart, to sanctify those whom the Father gave Him. When Adam and Eve sinned, the whole world became impure, polluted, and sin-stricken. Even the church itself was polluted, just like the world. But God in His sovereign mercy chose some out of the fallen mass of sinners for Himself to be His bride. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, do you see what he's doing? He is saying, just like a man chooses one woman and sets her apart to be his bride, so has Christ pursued, chosen, and won the heart of the church. And he has made the church his holy possession, his Bride. So when we read that word, sanctification, that He is called to sanctify her, 
we must understand that what Christ has done here is that He has set the church apart. He has dedicated His church to the Father. But He's also been called, Christ in His work, to purify her. Christ works in His bride. You see that in verse 27. That He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. He is working in His church to produce in the church holiness. And then one day in splendor, she will stand before Him without spot, without wrinkle, and be made like Him. Here the Apostle Paul gives a beautifully mature articulation that God has chosen the church and that God will sanctify the church. And we might like to say here, Amen, let's go home. But how does God do it? The Apostle Paul in the context of Ephesians 5 is saying, Husbands, God uses you to sanctify. Herman Ritterboss, a Dutch theologian, I think is right when he says this sanctification involves an active dedication to God. In other words, yes, God is the one who sanctifies. But He uses instruments. He uses means He uses, if you will, people to sanctify other people. So while a husband cannot cleanse his wife of her sins, a husband cannot be the one who does the sanctifying, husbands can help their wives grow in their likeness to Christ. That they have a special calling to lead their wives to Christ. To lead their children to Christ. Don't miss, my friends, Paul's connection here. A Christian man should be a part of his wife's, of his children's sanctification. So allow me to address the married men who are here this morning. That woman who you have your arm around or whose hand you're holding is a daughter of God Almighty. And she has been given to you that you can lead her to Christ. She has been given to you that you can lead her to Christ. Think about it like this. If you've ever had a daughter who you've had to give away in marriage. You don't give her to just anyone. And you don't give her without purpose. Without an aim. Towards a goal. 
And you give her to a man and it is your prayer and your desire that that man would lead her to grace. To a good life in the Lord. So God the Father has given her to you to lead her to grace. And so here is the cutting question, brothers. Are our wives more like Christ because she is married to us? Or is she more like Christ in spite of us? As one pastor says, if you can't say amen, you can at least say ouch. You see, it's a sad thing when a wife is more spiritual than her husband. Not because it's bad for a woman to be spiritual, but because the husband is the one who has been called to pastor his family. The husband is the one who has been called to lead her to Christ. Now, husbands, it's not too late to assume to pick up this God-given call. And so, for the first time ever, I'm going to assign homework for you Christian men who have been called to marriage this morning. The homework today is this, that you need to be in the Word yourself. And then you need to talk to your wife about the Word. You need to ask her how she is doing in her prayers. You need to talk about the sermons and about the practice of spiritual discipline. And when you, take, when you have a moment, take your wife's hand and pray with her. And pray for her. And lead her to Christ. I think I speak for all Christian married men here this morning when I say that our wives are the greatest gift that we've been given in this life. Amen? When we stand before the Lord, we are called to be good stewards of this gift. How honest can I be with you? this morning. Brothers, when I wrote this, I wept. Because I know how far short I also have fallen in this. I am not here to try to beat you up. Or to try to tell you something that you don't already know. But remember that the beauty of a Christian marriage is not two people who are perfect, who have no problems or trials, but the beauty of a Christian marriage is two people who are looking to a perfect Savior. That's what a Christian marriage is. That's all that the Apostle Paul is calling us to. He's not calling us to perfection. 
He's not calling Christian men to be the best, if you will. But He is calling us to, with our wives, look to the Savior and find in Him all that we need to. So it's okay to weep. Yes, we've all fallen short. But Christ is opening His arms to you men this morning and saying there is grace for you. There is grace for your wives. Come to Me, Christian men. Lead your wives to the Savior. And in Him, there is sanctification and cleansing for all of our sins. And notice also, the Apostle Paul speaks of selfless love. A man is called to lead his wife in the sacrificial ways of Christ, to lead his wife in the sanctifying love of Christ, but he's also called to be selfless like Christ. Our Lord, when summarizing the whole law we read this morning, said, you could sum it up in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The perfect expression of love Christ says, is not a love for self, but it's a love of another. Jesus' point, Paul's point, is that true love is selfless. So we have to come with that in mind when we read verse 28 when it says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Is he suggesting here that we must love ourselves before we can love our wives? I don't think so. He's saying that as a man, and as a woman for that matter, you can assume that we will look out for ourselves. You can assume that we will cherish ourselves. That we will love ourselves. But a man and a wife are one flesh, the Scriptures say. Verse 31, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so the idea of hating your wife, or not caring for your wife, or neglecting your wife, should be as strange to us as hating or not caring or neglecting ourselves. If I may be so bold to quote John Calvin this morning, he says, the man who doesn't love his wife is a masochist. He's a monster. It shows him that there is something very wrong in his heart. Instead, because we are tender with our bodies, the Apostle Paul says we should be tender with our wives. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. These words speak of a tenderness. The term caring can be translated as foster with loving care. 
we're to have, we are to have a tender heart towards our wives. This is the whole of Paul's thought in these final verses. If your wife is a part of your body and you tenderly care for even the smallest parts of your body, the most inconsequential, the littlest of aches, so too should the Christian husband tenderly care for his wife. Tender hearts are required. But we know that our hearts are hard. We'll never be able to love our wives as we ought. But the good news of the Gospel is that Christ died for those who could not keep God's demands perfectly. Christ is the one who is always loved. He has always put the needs of another ahead of Himself. Christ's heart is tender. We need to look unto Christ and to find in Him the strength and the compassion and the tenderness needed to care for our wives. Are you catching the theme that I am trying to hammer over and over and over again? Husbands, the love that you are called to is Christ's love. To point your wife to Christ. You know, when we consider this subject of tenderness, one application I think we need to mention here is that in our culture, there's a theme of belittling those we love. There's a theme of teasing or picking on those who we love. And it's something I've noticed even in Christian marriages where we can tease and pick on our wives, or husband, or wives, excuse me, can tease or pick on their husbands. But here the Apostle Paul prescribes, if you will, an attitude that we can have towards them, not one of malicious will, not one of careless words, but a heart of tenderness. There is a time and a place for fun. And it's good for wives and husbands to also be friends. Friends and lovers. But brothers, she's not your bro. She's your wife. She's your lover. And so we are to have a heart of tenderness and care towards her. The way that we can escape having the wrong attitude towards our wives. The Scriptures also prescribe being around other brothers who can help encourage us in what God has called us to. Get around other men who will help you prioritize your marriage. If we're only surrounded by brothers who only tease who only patronize, who only degrade the subject of marriage. Of course we're going to have attitudes that reflect that. We need to be around other men. I hear at this church there's even a men's group discussing the things of marriage. 
I'd recommend that we brothers do all we can to be around other brothers who will encourage us towards godliness in our marriages. Let's conclude this morning. My dear friends, Christ's love for the church implies that a husband's love for his wife should be so broad, should be so long, should be so high and so deep that it would even include the sacrifice of his body. That he'd be willing to be cut up into a thousand pieces for his wife. But also include the sacrifice of his own life, social prestige, and well-being for the sake of his wife each day. Christ has loved the church with an everlasting, sacrificial, sanctifying, and selfless love. Let us lead our wives to Christ and find in Him all that we need for the strength to lead our wives well in this way. Let us pray. Merciful God, we give You thanks for Your love unto us. How even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and gave Himself for us. He has loved us with an everlasting love. And when the Apostle Paul says those words, to love as Christ loved the church, we feel our weakness. We feel our insufficiency. Yet Lord, You have called Christian husbands not to perfection, but to a faith that points his wife to the Savior. We give You thanks for that. We ask, Heavenly Father, that You would comfort us, comfort our marriages in the Gospel of Jesus Christ and that we would find in Him that which we need in order to lead, to submit well in this wonderful gift of marriage. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.